You want to take out your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, Psalm 95, Psalm 95. Give you a little heads up this morning, service is a little bit different than most. Uh, we're going to be singing some songs throughout the message here, so when you see the praise team come up, uh, go ahead and stand and be ready to sing. When you see them go sit down, feel free to sit down and, and uh, listen again. So just watch for that to happen. You know, this uh, seasons are changing. It's spring now and summer is sure to come. For some people, that means it's cottage season or, or boating season. For us pastors, it means it's wedding season. Summer is when you get to do a ton of weddings. And I have a few this summer, one in the middle of July that I'm especially looking forward to. Um, and often with these weddings, you know, as the pastor, I get the front row view, right? Th these two young people often come and stand right about here and they face each other and publicly before everybody they say I love you they make that declaration I love you and then for the next months years decades they keep learning how to say I love you because you have to find a way to do that don't you that they have this passionate love inside that makes the words come out. But oftentimes we miss each other. We miss hearing each other say, I love you, as the years go by because we're speaking different languages. We aren't hearing correctly. In fact, some of you have read Gary Chapman's book entitled The Five Languages of Love. He says that there's five different languages we speak. And sometimes if you don't know the language, you don't hear the person saying, I love you. It, if you've never heard of these five love languages, I'm going to zip through them with you. And maybe you want to be thinking about which one is yours. Maybe you'll want to be thinking about which one is your spouse's. Think on this Mother's Day, which one is your mother's love language? Because if you don't use the right language, they aren't going to hear you say, I love you. Because some people say, I love you, with words of affirmation. Right? So they're the ones who, who write the cards, who send the notes. They're always ready with a sticky note of encouragement showing up on your desk somewhere. That's how they say, I love you, with these words of encouragement that they give. Others don't use words at all. Some people say, I love you, by spending quality time together. And that time might be silent. It might be walking on the beach together in Holland on a, on a summer evening. It might just be sitting in the room together, reading a book together. It might just... Just be a long walk throughout the neighborhood. Without a word, they say, I love you by spending time together. Some people say, I love you by giving gifts instead of giving time. Right? They're the ones who love Christmas. They love birthdays because they love to go buy something for you and they love to give you something, right? And so they're the ones that show up. They're the good husbands who show up with roses for no reason whatsoever. They're gift givers. Some people don't give stuff. Instead, they give acts of service. They say, I love you with a broom and a dustpan, right? It's when they cook the meal. It's when they mow the lawn and rake the leaves and wash the car. It's when they shovel the driveway. As mundane as that might seem to some, for others, that's their way of saying, I love you. I'm going to serve you with every way that I can. Look at This is how much I love you. And finally, still others say, I love you most clearly through physical touch. And you're walking in the mall and they grab your hand and hold on. You're sitting in church. You're holding hands. The rub on the shoulder, at just at the right time, says, I love you. 
And he would argue, and I think he's right, that each of us needs to be at least bilingual. Okay? You need to know the language you speak. You also need to know the language that the person you're talking to speaks, right? Because if you don't speak the right language, they aren't going to understand you. Right? So you can bring home roses and pearl necklaces and diamond rings, but if your wife or mother is looking for quality time with you instead, if their love language isn't gifts, then they are going to hear you saying, I love you. And all the words of affirmation that she gives to you might not even come close to what you feel when she goes and shovels the driveway for you once if your love language is acts of service, right? As the years go by, we all need to learn how to share that passionate love we have on the inside by speaking appropriate languages to each other. And it's the exact same way in our love relationship with our God, right? Some of us, some of us here this morning have been in a relationship with God for so long that we've forgotten how to express our love to Him, right? Yes, we do love Jesus. Yes, we know we do. But we don't know how to communicate it. We don't know how to speak it. We don't know how to say it. Honestly, our spiritual life looks kind of bland. Our spiritual activity, our spiritual life, our love relationship with God looks like a brown box wrapped in brown paper. Nobody around us would, would know that we're in love. Nobody around us would know that, that we're on fire. We need to find a way to say, I love you, to let that love show, to, to rip off the paper and show the passion that lies deep within Right? Psalm 95 teaches us how to do that. Psalm 95 shows us the three love languages that God speaks and God loves to hear from his people. If you have a passionate love for God, then he wants to hear about it. He wants to hear about your love. And if we want God to hear how much we love him, then we need to know what language he speaks and understands. It's exactly what we're going to learn and practice here this morning. Psalm 95, listen to this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, if only you would hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This passage teaches us, shows us how to say I love you to God. It tells us the language that he understands. And the first love language that God is listening for from us as people is joyful celebration. 
right? Listen, listen to the verbs that you get in verses 1 and 2. This invitation to come and sing for joy. This invitation to shout out loud. This invitation to extol him with music and song. Think about those verbs. Those are not timid verbs. Those are, those are emotion-filled verbs. They are, they are vibrant verbs. They are exciting verbs. They are game-winning shot kind of verbs. They are standing ovation kind of verbs. They are just graduating through my hat in the air kind of verbs. They are exciting. A heart that is passionately in love with God is a heart that will be filled with joy, that will be filled with celebration. Hey, th think back for a moment. If you can remember back that far, think back to the first crush you ever had or the first date that you went on. Can you remember? Can you kind of feel the excitement and remember the excitement that you had? You spent hours getting ready. You spent way too much money on the dress or the suit or the dinner on that first date. All night long, you could hardly enjoy it because your palms were sweating. Your heart was racing. My, I, my mind immediately went back to my high school time. My first date, official date, my freshman year in high school, it took me weeks to work up the courage to ask her if she would go to the Christmas banquet with me at school. And so I was so nervous. I asked her and... She waited a day to answer. That should tell you something right there. And she reluctantly said yes. Okay? There's a whole story I'm not going to share there with you. She reluctantly said yes. And I took her to the Christmas banquet. I don't think I said a word to her all night. I was so nervous. I sat next to her, but that's about it, right? And that experience paled in comparison to when I was in college and planned a picnic lunch over at the park by John Ball Park Zoo and had a diamond ring in my pocket waiting to ask the question. All that excitement, all that I love you wanting to come out, the thrill of that first love, the delight of that overwhelming emotion, that's exactly what we should be bringing to God, isn't it? He's our first love, right? He's our true love, at least he should be. He should have that place closest to the core in our hearts. So, so why should we be that excited? Well, think about who it is that loves us. Think about who it is that we're, we're in this relationship with. Right? Verse 3 tells us. Verse 3 tells us that he is the great God, the great king above all gods. Verse 4 tells us that, that we're in love with the person whose in, hand, in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks. The sea is his. His hands form the dry land. If you ever think you were excited about your first love here on earth, right? Your love relationship with the God of the universe should bring you a little bit of excitement should bring you a lot of excitement. This is God himself. You are here this morning to say I love you to the God of the universe. And being in his presence should bring you a kind of thrill and awe and celebration that makes your heart leap with joy. Leap with joy. 
I do think that's something that we really could learn from our charismatic brothers and sisters, right? Not that we all need to raise our hands and dance in the aisles. God's wired all of us individually and as communities differently. But you have to admit, their love for God certainly is evident in their joyful celebration. Our tradition trains us to, to keep our joy and our emotions hidden, right? But God says here in Psalm 95 that it is precisely that joy and that emotion that is his love language. Psalm 95 doesn't start off very tame. It's all-out joy, all-out celebration. God is looking for hearts and lives that are excited to be in his presence, that are filled with joy because they are passionately in love with him. And so Psalm 95 calls you and calls me to bring some heart excitement, to bring some true heart joy into his presence. What does that look like? Depends. For some of you, that may mean learning to raise your hands in worship as an affirmation of what you're singing, as an offering to what you're giving, as an expression of that offering. Maybe. Maybe for some of you, it simply means uncrossing your arms. <laughs> maybe for some of you, it means letting your face maybe have a smile. Maybe show some joy that you have on the inside, on the outside. But I thought of that last night. I was reading my devotions last night. I'm reading Neil Planning's book, Assurances of the Heart, for devotion. And he had this little paragraph about our faces. He said this about Martin Luther, the, the reformer. He said, Martin Luther claimed that a person's whole attitude towards God is written on his face. And that once a person is past 30, he's therefore accountable for the way his face looks. I like that. If you're past 30, you're accountable for how your face looks. And your face reveals your heart. Your face reveals your mind. God hears, I love you, from you and from me. When he can see and hear joyful celebration. The joyful celebration of your heart and of your life. Hear it and see it. We're going to do that right now. We're going to sing the song, Great Are You, Lord. Worship team, you're welcome to come forward. It's a song that celebrates us and invites us to pour out our praise. To pour out our praise. You don't do that calmly. It's an exciting kind of pouring out of that praise. And so as we sing this song, ask yourself what your heart, what your voice, what your face what your body is saying to God. Can God hear you say, I love you with great joy and excitement as you pour out your praise to him? Stand, let's sing together. We pour. 
song like that but that's not the only language he knows it's not the only language he hears from us verse 6 gives us a whole other language that God hears and it takes us really to the other extreme on the one hand we're singing shouting extolling on the other hand verse 6 calls us to bow down in worship to kneel before the Lord our maker God hears how much we love him when we quietly submit to him. Quietly submit our hearts and lives. Right, verse 7 gives us a beautiful picture, an image of of submission, what that submission looks like. It's a picture of, of a shepherd leading his sheep. Not one that we're familiar with in our culture, but it's a beautiful picture. It says, he is our God. We are the people of his pasture the flock under his care. And as God's sheep, fully in love with the shepherd, we will submit to him. We'll submit, first of all, to his direction. Where the shepherd goes, the sheep follow. Our obedience to the shepherd's direction in our lives is our expression of love and trust in him. So when our shepherd leads us, to pursue a passionate relationship with him. And we open up his word and read and we spend time and pray and we study together. 
when we obey that direction, we follow that direction, that's just saying, I love you, God. And when God, our shepherd, leads us to give ourselves away in service, and we give our time, and we give our gifts in humble, sacrificial service, that's us saying to our shepherd, I love you. I love you. I'll follow you and obey. And when God, our shepherd, leads us to build relationships with our unchurched friends and neighbors and co-workers, and we do it and we follow his direction, that's us saying, I love you, I trust you. That's telling God how much we are in love with him. And as sheep with the shepherd, we'll submit our lives not only to his direction, but we'll submit ourselves to his care. So the psalmist writes, he says, we are the flock under his care. Right? The sheep are safest when they're in the care of the shepherd. It's the shepherd who will defend them from, from the wolves and the lions. It's the shepherd who will find the green pastures for them and will find the, the, the creeks and the rivers to drink from. It's the shepherd who will nurse them back to health and carry them when they hurt. When the sheep yield control to the shepherd, that's when they're the safest. When you and I humbly submit and give away control of our lives to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. That's when we are the safest. That's when we will find refuge from the storms of life. That's when we'll find protection from the enemy. It's when we submit ourselves completely to God's care that we'll find peace and fulfillment in this unsettling world. And it's when we submit ourselves completely to God's care that we will find healing for our hurts and wholeness in our brokenness. Quiet and yet very profound submission. Right? That's worship. Worship isn't always loud. Worship isn't always song. Sometimes our worship is a quiet submission, letting go of control, and following God's direction and God's care. That's the love language God hears from us as children. Perfect submission, perfect delight. We're going to sing the song, Blessed Assurance, that talks about that perfect submission, about giving ourselves, trusting ourselves to the direction of our Father. And while we sing this, ask yourself if God can hear you honestly saying, I love you through this quiet submission? Are you truly willing to let go of control of your own life and follow him? That's what he's listening for. Or are they empty words? Let's sing together. song, raising my 
joyful celebration he hears you say I love you when you quietly submit to him and finally maybe most profoundly he hears you say I love you when you offer him a responsive heart and a responsive life you see God isn't just looking at our faces and God isn't just looking at our our hands whether we're submitting and following him God is looking deep into our hearts. He's looking deep inside for this passion on the inside. He's looking for hearts that are so in love with him that they're ready to be shaped and molded by the Holy Spirit. And so God says, kind of a strange end to this chapter, isn't it? God says, starting in verse 7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah as you did that day in Massa in the desert. 
Some of us, like the nation of Israel long ago in the Old Testament, some of us have come before God, we come to worship with hardened hearts. Our hearts of love have actually turned into hearts of stone. So we can't find the joyful celebration. We can't get ourselves to the point of quiet submission. Because our hearts are hard. Maybe your heart has been hardened through doubt. Right? Some of us here this morning can't celebrate. We can't submit because we don't even know if God is here this morning. Or maybe we do know God exists and God is here, but we don't know if he's all that good. And we certainly don't know how much we are in love with him. Right, the Israelites in this story in Psalm 95, the Israelites in Meribah and in Massah, they hardened their hearts in those places. Remember the story? They've been let out of Egypt. God showed them his great power and grace. It was amazing. Took them into the wilderness. And in both of these places is where they run out of water. In both of these places is where they begin to grumble and complain because life gets hard. And when life gets hard, they hardened their hearts against God. They had celebrated joyfully. They had quietly submitted. But now they were in the desert. Now they were thirsty. And now Exodus 17 verse 7 tells us that they asked the question, is the Lord even with us or not? Some of us are wondering the same thing. We're wondering, is the Lord even with us or not? Because the challenges in your life are huge. The disappointment and the pain is more than you ever could have imagined. For some of us, we have dreams that are dying and hopes that maybe are hanging on by just a thread. And when we wonder, is God even here or not? That's when God whispers to us. He says, I am here. I love you. And at this moment, in this time in life, God is trying hard to harden, or Satan's trying to harden your heart so that you can't hear me say I love you. But please let my love carry you through this time. Have a heart that is soft enough that my love can get in through the cracks. Hear me say I love you. Some of us have hearts hardened by doubt. Others of us are on the opposite extreme. We've have hearts that are hardened by routine. We've done this worship thing for so long, for so many years, that it's kind of lost its meaning. And so we've come here and we've put in our time. We're coming here to, to do our duty. And it really isn't about, about this passion anymore. It's really not about this, this great love that we have on the inside because we so adore Jesus and we're so passionate about our relationship with Jesus. No, for some of us, it's really about responsibility. Come here because I have to. Come here because I'm supposed to. I come here to check the list. And often that happens when life is going really well, right? It's the opposite extreme. It's when our lives go, are going so well that we often fall into empty ritual and routine instead of a passionate love for Jesus, right? So Israel, here in this story, tell, they, they stopped celebrating joyfully. They stopped submitting when life was hard, right? Their hearts hardened because of their doubts. But then they went to the other extreme. 
Right? So God gets them through the desert. He provides for them richly. He brings them into the promised land where they have everything they've ever dreamt of. Everything is awesome. Everything is great. God's blessings are huge. And you know what happens? They stop celebrating. And they stop submitting. Because life was so good. And when life is so good, they didn't want God to mess with their good life. If they're going to have a responsive heart and a responsive life, then God might make them change, and they don't want that. And so their hearts were hardened because of the goodness of their lives. Sound familiar? Some of us have come here this morning with barriers around our hearts so that God can't get in. We come to worship with, with Teflon hearts. Right? Teflon hearts, it can hit, but it's not going to stick. Nothing's going to stick to our hearts. And we do that so that nothing has to change. That's not the kind of worship God desires. That's not the kind of heart that pleases Him. That's not the kind of I love you that really means much to Him. God's not looking for us to put in our time here. He's looking for a love relationship. He's looking for a joyful celebration with his people. He's looking for quiet submission together with them. He's looking for responsive hearts from those who have a passionate love for him. God's looking for people who love him and tell him in a language that he understands. God cares. You know what God cares about? God cares about our actions that are rooted in this true love that's deep beneath the surface in our lives. Our actions matter. The songs that we sing, the service that we give, the, the money we put in the offering plate, the prayers that we offer, they find all their value, they find their meaning right here in a heart that's passionately in love with God. An honest, I love you to God can only come from a heart that truly is in love with Him. So we're going to offer our love and our hearts to God this morning. We're going to offer Him our hearts and ask Him to bind our hearts to bind our hearts to his, to tie them up, to wrap them up so tightly that they will never wander away again. And when we get to that point in the song, when we're talking about offering our hearts to him, you may, you may want to break out of your comfort zone and do it with your hands. Offer him your heart. I know that's way radical for some of you. I'll let you do it way down low so no one else sees if you wish. But maybe as an expression to say, God, yes. My hardened heart, I now offer to you. Take it and kindle in my heart a true passion, a true love. Make sure he hears that behind the words that you sing.
salvation, our maker, and our shepherd. Lord, we are so privileged that you have invited us into your presence today. We're so thankful that you've given us your word so that we can know who you are and we can know who we are. We thank you, Lord, that we are your children. Thank you that this morning we could celebrate baptism and that we could recognize that Mila, too, is one of yours. Lord, we confess that we often have hearts of stone. We have hearts that are just not interested in spending time with you, in serving you. We have hearts that really don't want to obey. We really want to do what we have in mind. And we ask you, Lord, to forgive us. Forgive us when we let our doubt or our pain or our sadness or our loneliness come between us and you. Lord, we pray that you will fill our hearts and our minds and our bodies with joy and celebration of you. Lord, literally take the breath in our lungs, take our bones, take everything about us to celebrate and to worship you. Empower us, Lord, to share our stories, to share our songs of salvation with the world around us and live in our lives. Equip us, prepare us, nudge us, push us, to serve you. 
Lord, we ask that this week you will really encourage us and empower us to share words and deeds of love with those who are struggling, with those who are sad and lost, with those who are battling against illness, against loneliness, against um, grief. Lord, help us to serve you and to serve them. Help us too, Lord, to celebrate, to celebrate with families who um, rejoice in new life, who rejoice in times of baptism and graduation and birthdays, anniversaries, all these good events, Lord, that you place in our lives. Um, help us to really recognize that they come from you. Lord, we love you, and we want to serve you. We thank you that you are in us in, through the power of your Holy Spirit, and we just ask that you help us to be obedient to you and to serve you as we go forward in this day. We pray this in Jesus' name and through the power of your spirit. Amen. Will you stand to join us in our final song of the morning?